As you're listening to the following music selections, adjust the volume, bass, and treble controls to suit your tastes. It was a very spooky version the day after the Halloween Hangover episode of Android's Dungeon. Joel's back in the studio. Jack's back in the studio. We're going to talk about Essen. We're going to talk about movies. And whatever else. Stay tuned. Welcome to CFRU 933 FM, broadcasting of the University of Guelph, Guelph, Ontario, Milky Way Galaxy. You're listening to me, uh, if you can hear that sound, that's the sound of high quality rocket candy, which uh, according to Costco, if you buy it and it's shaped or sold by um, whatever the company is that's called Wonka or makes the Wonka candy, it's a sweet tart, even though it's shaped identically to the rocket. When I grew up, Unless these are sweet tart minis, and I'm misreading the label. Uh, when I, in my day, sweet tarts came in a box, uh, typically, or maybe they were longer, kind of like a giant Tootsie Pop thing. Mm. And but they were they were they they were kind of like horse pills or like a tum size, maybe a bit smaller than that. Those were those were sweet tarts, very dense. You, if you chewed on those, you were not happy because it, it seemed like a real waste. You know, you ever eat that candy? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They're meant to be sucked on for yeah. a while, and then you've got kind of like a crunchy middle. Did it ever kill you when somebody asked for some candy or something, and you're like, "Oh yeah, sure, I'll help you out," and then you pop, <laughs> devouring it like a meal, <laughs> like one of those. Remember the everlasting gobstoppers? Yeah, of course. Try to put one of those and chomp down on it. Well, it's a mini jawbreaker, and yeah. like. At least you could rest easy knowing that that uh, the goof that took that from you would probably break a tooth if he they tried to do suffered. That. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's good. Important people, to know. <laughs> yeah, knowing people suffering gives me great joy. Jack. <laughs> Welcome to Android Dungeon, folks. A, a show about uh, misery and yeah. sadism. <laughs> also about books, movies, games, music, whatever we feel like. Uh, uh, you can listen to us on most podcast services these days, thanks to Joel's excellent work. And uh, um, well. The website, anyway. Uh, <laughs> and Joel Coleman. And uh, Spotify. Is that new? Uh, it's, it's fairly new, but Spotify is probably a bigger deal because, obviously, you don't need a podcast service. For yeah, us. listen to that. So you can check us out on Spotify. Just search Android's Dungeon. Pretty sure we're the only ones there. Can't be anyone else who had this idea, so. I wonder if you need to, <laughs> to shuffle or something. The shuffle? Yeah, because usually Spotify, you don't have premium. you got to, like... Listen to some <laughs> on random. So I guess just pick. Yeah, let's go back to two years ago. I like the idea of maybe. Um, I know. I know what you're saying, but I like the idea of somebody trying to like. He's got a party going. He's, he's got the Jay Z pumping, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> oh, Android's Dungeon is a show about <laughs> movies, music, games. You want to talk about board games? No. Anyway, I'm just browsing browsing through the Kickstarter for Island El Dorado, trying to find their target pledge. It looks like they got a half. Oh, there we go. It's twenty thousand dollar goal. They made five hundred thousand. Okay, look, the show just started. We have to talk about Kickstarter. Apparently, <laughs> what's with these unrealistic Kickstarter goals? Twenty thousand, unless it's a total flop, twenty thousand will be hit. Yeah. Especially with any publicity. I don't know much about this island of El Dorado thing. And have we talked about this? Did you link that to me? Yeah, I mentioned it that uh, it's a designer Kickstarter game that uh, <coughs> my friend got for his his wedding. Oh uh, yeah, weekend. yeah, yeah. That's it. And it's beautiful. It really is. It looks really nice. Yeah. Which is kind of the the hallmark of lovely hacks. A designer game. What would you consider a designer game? I don't know. I was thinking about it the other day. I think there's a distinction. There's boutique games which are typically more expensive, but a lot of love and care has gone into them. So it's, you're paying a premium for this this product that you most places would not be able to recreate on, on a massive scale. A designer game, though, I'd say that's based around like Kinesia or something. It's like I picked up Neil Stevenson's Rocket. And that's, so it's, it's, it's based off of the designer? That's what I would say. It's that, mm. So it's like designer clothes. It's like, oh, you got that Gucci shirt. Oh, boy. <laughs> Although that came off yeah. of factory press in China probably, so I don't know. Or India Textile Mill. Well, this is off of a guy's name. I, I'm not sure what he did before. What's the name? He's um, Daniel Aronson. 
and he works on his own. He doesn't have a, a production <laughs> company in any, wolf. any way. Yeah. He makes all the stuff, and I guess he outsources sort of the art and the and the uh, printing. Okay. But it looks really nice, and I guess uh, I read through the rules. We didn't actually get a chance to play, mm-hmm. but um, it's got a terrible rating on Kickstarter. On uh, Kickstarter or BGG? Yeah. Oh, sorry, on BGG. It's it's something like 3,000th, and um, I guess it's highly luck-based. It ends up that you're rolling dice to move. You're rolling dice oh, to roll produce. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You're rolling dice to produce goods because yeah. I guess you roll two dice and you pick one will move and one will produce. Okay, so you're guaranteed you'll get some movement and some production, but yeah. an interesting mechanic, I guess. Yeah, and then you get a 1-1 one, one and you're, and he, oh, I guess my game's over. And then Joel rolls, so rolls two sixes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm off to a great start. And then you roll for combat too and you get 1d6 per unit in the fight. So like for Cyclades or something like that, at least it's zero to three. Yeah. With a one to six, you could conceivably uh, have one guy come into a fight and kill six units, and those six units do the same amount of damage. Yeah. Look, dice-based battles, I don't know if we've ever gotten into this on the show before. Mm -hmm. It's... For some people, it's an instant turnoff, the very notion of there being dice in the game. And it's going to come up later in the show because Joel and I have been in this sort of um, mental planning. And it came down to actual paper planning, Sammy, today, too, about this uh, fairly large... It's a war game called... It's coming. ...called Here I Stand. And there, there's a lot of dice in that game, which is what some people say is that it turns them off of it, is that mm. there are times when... You're, it's coming down to dice chucking. You've got a great battle in front of you, or maybe the odds are in your favor, but some guy just rolls better than you and you're screwed. But I think I think when they start to, when the primary focus, when you're prevented from doing basic things in the game because of dice, that that's what starts to grind my gears a bit. Mm-hmm. Where like you're sitting, this roll to move stuff. It's like it's one thing if there's combat and you shouldn't be fighting too much, but you you need to tilt things in your favor. You need to fight properly versus. I don't know, Catan style, where theoretically you could just never hit the things that you have or yeah. you just I mean, roll sevens. Your luck could be bad, but I think you need to try to cover your luck. Yeah, Like, yeah. say for... Mitigate it. Because this is a GMT staple, right? I'm thinking Twilight Struggle, where yeah. you've got the coups and the realignments and you need to roll. Yeah. But maybe your success on a two or higher. Yeah. Well, that, in that case, you're pretty much... It's a, it's a lock, Jerry. It's a it lock. It should be a lock. <laughs> <laughs> but, Jack, look, a magnetic uh, box. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Unnecessary, but very cool. Yeah. Someone else was selling a magnetic box, I think. Uh, and it's I think it's becoming a Kickstarter thing, too, because mm-hmm. it's an inexpensive edition that really is like... Oh, it's a nice boy. organizer, for sure. Yeah, just reach The pieces are pretty. It. It's a plastic organizer. looks fine. Kind of reminds me of um, Via Nebula's. Uh, uh, is it a, just a normal insert? Or? Yep. I, I mean, I went through this stuff and, like, for example, these little temples, they're very they're pretty. Heavy. They're nice. Yeah. They kind of remind me of, like, the ships in... Um, Are they resin? Yeah. Wow. That's that's expensive. <laughs> that's why the game costs yeah. under 20 bucks. So it's an expensive <laughs> game. And to answer your original question from, like, 15 minutes ago, mm-hmm. um, I think that targets are abnormally low because, A... If you don't reach your target or you don't look like you're reaching your target within, like, the first couple of days... People don't... They bail. They'll bail. <clears throat> and B, there's some sort of hype. There's a good feeling about being way beyond your target. Like, you think oh, yeah. about games where, like, the target was 30,000 and they got several million. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Massive so, darkness. I think they know what they're yeah, expecting, but, like, they're going to throw in, like... Because there's no cost to them in putting in a $20,000 target, even though they could never produce this game with that. That's, I think that's my problem right there that you met, you touched on when you said you could never produce the game for 20000 Or if you, you did, it would be something where you're sitting there like, and the designers are posting update after update saying how, look, guys, times are tough. Yeah. Uh, rats ate my... I can't pay this guy anymore. can't pay this guy. The, the, the Chinese ra- ra- raised the prices on the shipment on me halfway through production. I can't get them anymore. Versus this, like, what is it at? What did it make? Well, 500000 I'm just looking now at their stretch goals, and they start at like 50000 sure, but they still had stretch goals for $400,000. Well, you got to have... So you got, just yeah. All the way up, and now like the Titan Awakens is their 400000 goal, and it's got a little unlock <clears> symbol on it. It looks really cool. Yeah. We did it. We, we gave did it. them four hundred grand, and now we're going to get a new tile. 
I don't think I think if you're doing a Kickstarter today, you have to have stretch goals on the end. Oh yeah. And it's rare. Every now and then you'll see one where it's like, whoa. Uh, we didn't realize we were going to hit this. I, and you, you get the feeling that it does come across sincere, not one of this full modesty of this guy's like he was riding on people hitting this milestone, but where somebody said, wow, I didn't know this was going to be so popular. Uh, is there anything you guys want to see? And then you come up with like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like, can you do thicker boards? I don't know. It costs, okay, I think I can do it at this price level. And then you go in from there. So huh. I, I think personally, and I don't want to talk about Kickstarter too much longer here, <laughs> is that I, I'm really starting to appreciate the thick... If you're going to give me cardboard components, I want good cardboard components. Yeah. Because sometimes you get this thinner cardboard that's kind of like... It feels a little flimsy and it's it just... Yeah, you, cannot, you don't you know, know how long it's going to last. Exactly. It's like humidity hits it and it's already curling <laughs> on it. It's like, yeah, I don't know about that. but yeah. All right. Well, I've, I've ranted a bit. I did, I did play a game, but I'm going to go to you first and then we'll, we'll kick it back to me. All so right. what have you been playing lately? Uh, unfortunately, as far as board games go, it's been... <clears throat> kind of low energy lately it's just been so busy and uh there's a couple things just sitting there waiting to be tried waiting to be played and there's just been no time in fact this weekend we intended to finish charterstone or at least play a whole bunch of it and Mm -hmm. then maybe learn another game but um things happen on friday you wake up on saturday and you feel (laughs) zero energy and then Mm -hmm. sunday rolls around and uh you're doing a bunch of stuff so uh but i have in a little bit of free time i've gotten through um I played through all of Silent Hill 2 on the PC again, and nice. it's it's come a long way. But the original, I remember when I first picked up the PC version of Silent Hill 2, and I was really impressed with it because uh, on the CRT monitors back in the day, you could jack up the resolution to some absurd height, and the game natively supported everything up there, uh, which was nuts. And it ran like a dream as far as I'm concerned. I'm like on the original like Windows XP and whatever, it always did exactly what it's supposed to. I never had any problems with it. There was maybe an audio glitch where some certain sort of sound cues would loop, uh, but it was infrequent enough that and it actually fit into the game oddly spooky. enough. Spooky. A little spooky. But anyway, now you can get something called the Silent Hill 2 or SH2 PC enhancement uh, pack where enough people care about this game because it's one of the most uh, celebrated... Uh, when was it released? Oh, Lord. Uh, early 2000s. Okay. Um, but enough people care about the PC version of it to... They've tried to recreate the PS2 version, which was the, the truest and best, arguably, of them all, because everything that was there is supposed to be there. Like, the fog looks the best. The uh, character animations and models, everything everything's what it should have been. And when the PC version came out, the fog apparently stunk. I didn't notice it at the time. But when you do look back, it's like, oh, my God, this is terrible. How did they screw this up? So now people have gone through and fixed it. And they've added widescreen support. And they've added, they fixed the sound looping. They fixed an issue on higher resolutions. What happens is the game was originally only intended to be uh, played at a certain resolution. When you add the the widescreen, it adds this whole chunk to the sides here. So in in in-game cinematics, what happens is you'll see the character actors frozen off on the sides you're not supposed to see them because <laughs> the game never intended you to see them but they're yeah. still being rendered but on the higher resolutions it's like oh there's james looking goofy in the corner <laughs> and then he walks into the frame like he's supposed right, to right, yeah. so that fixes all that stuff and um it's just neat to see because it's really made a classic game it's giving it the love it deserves which like your, your original question like how old is it yeah it's ancient by today's standards but it's still being supported people are still adding things and fixing it and tweaking it to make it better because so like, it's bringing it into windows 10 and it runs flawlessly on windows 10 and all that stuff and nice. modern graphics cards and, and then i just started silent hill 3 which needs way less sort of tweaking because it worked really well out of the box to begin with but um uh, just a couple things, some dead links on some upgrades, which kills me when it's like, uh-huh. oh, just use this to find this. And it's like, uh, it's corrupted archive. What am I supposed to do with this? Nobody knows. Eh, fine, mm. whatever. So anyway, that's what I've been up to. What about you, Joel? Um, well, I finished um, Blood and Wine expansion for Witcher 3. Whoa. During my trip. Was this your first time? F- yep. So I, I, I had kind of like stopped playing at a just a random point i was just kind of <laughs> i guess i got bored with it but it was like uh at a certain point he's in this like france area yeah um tucson and uh <laughs> do they call it tucson yeah oh interesting and then he needs to go find this girl who's been like sort of exiled she was like uh one of the heirs to the throne but she was exiled because okay. she was the sister of the person who became in charge anyway she was exiled to a fantasy realm and it's all of the fairy tales. So it's oh, like neat. Uh, Big Bad Wolf and the um, the Three Little Pigs. And Hansel and Gretel, like do they show up? Is there a gingerbread yep. house? Or? <laughs> that's, or the that boy sounds pretty cool. Wolf. 
it's kind of neat, but it's also really silly. It's like oh, okay. Witcher 3 is always like a little bit silly and yeah. then it just goes off the deep end. Like you're just like, <laughs> you got to climb a tower and find Goldilocks. and <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. So I think that's the part where I stopped playing because climbing the tower was a little frustrating and I think I fell off a few times <laughs> or something like that. I'm like, ah. I'm good. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it was funny because I loaded back up and I really, I only had about 10 minutes of gameplay left. <laughs> oh man. So it was right there at the end, uh, and then probably about 45 minutes worth of just watching people talk, because <laughs> you know how which yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. It's like, they were saying, like, playing Dark Souls, and then there you get your mouse and your keyboard, and then it's like playing Witcher, and you've got a bag of popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I honestly didn't find it to be that like annoying with the the dialogues and stuff because at least you're you're engaged and you're yeah. like there are choices to be made in the dialogues too so exactly it's like, and sometimes it can actually massively yeah. change what ends up happening well i don't know were we talking about this before but the the idea of like you're if i think it was in the last show we we're talking about choices mattering mm. and that's the witcher we're not necessarily saying the witcher is this flawless work of like the infinitely branching paths where it acknowledges everything you've done but it does it enough, yeah. and to the point that I, I think we talked about this before too. But the Bloody Baron quest, where I had oh, the yeah. ending where he hanged himself, and <laughs> you had like everything was okay. I think. He goes on an adventure. Yeah, he goes off and has a good time. And it's like I don't know what yeah. I did to do that. And even with the expansion, there's like three major endings, right? Yeah. One you end up in prison, I think, and the other one you uh, in prison in prisoning, Daryl. Are <laughs> you out of your mind? The girl you rescue dies, or the the queen dies. Yeah. Like, this is all a bunch of endings. Pretty cool. Speaking of The Witcher, did you get to look? Uh, this may this is big news today, folks. Possibly tomorrow, it might not be as big news. <laughs> but uh, they, with our first look at uh, Henry Cavill as as Geralt. No, really? He, yeah. <laughs> Huh. <laughs> it uh, it's it's looking weird. Yeah, <laughs> he looks I like mean, Seth I wasn't really <laughs> Expecting to watch the show, but it, it's got so much hype that uh, I might watch an episode. Like I'll, <laughs> I'll give him the Benny of the D and hope that it, they're gonna pull it back from the edge. But I, <laughs> Henry Cavill looks kind of ridiculous, and so you see him in action. I, it's just a short little clip, huh. and you just see what he looks like. He's got this. His hair looks way too long. Maybe that's what's bugging me. It's like. Yeah. He looks like um, Christopher Lambert from Highlander <laughs> or Raiden. Raiden can be only one. Only one. The Queen did the soundtrack to it. <laughs> nice. um, it. It doesn't, it's not out yet. <laughs> there's some There's some time, <laughs> but it looks silly. <laughs> silly oh in, a, in a way that like if you're watching, somebody comes in, you feel embarrassed immediately. <laughs> that you're, like you got caught doing something bad. Well, speaking of embarrassed, uh-huh. the last thing that I played, <laughs> I got completely bamboozled <laughs> by an app. No, oh, that's no. a phone app. I bought a game. Okay, that's fine. Okay. That's fine. Which one, though? Um, so here's the thing. <laughs> oh, no. You go, like, <laughs> Asmodee and... Um, <clears throat> what's what's the... Take it to ride. What's the producer... Asmodee or uh, Days of Wonder? Days of Wonder, yeah. has just escaped my mind for a second there. Yeah. Um, had a big sale on their apps recently. Uh, and obviously you could pick up Ticket to Ride Nordic and there's lots of good games out there. Yeah. I think the sale's over now, but uh, it'll be back. Uh, if anyone's listening, I think as of tomorrow, the Steam sale, which is going on right now, is over. But when you're listening to this, it might still be good, I think maybe till the end, November 2nd. But yeah. they've got a lot of digital titles. And, and <clears throat> I am a huge... Uh, I will always endorse buying a board game on an app to try it out. Mm. It's just like going to a game cafe, maybe even cheaper. Yeah. Right. So I saw <laughs> Small World Two. Okay. Thought, oh, cool. Small. They made a Small World Two. I saw that they have it on Steam as well. So I bought it. Like it was on sixty percent off, I think, for two dollars. Easy. So I didn't lose much. But yeah. turns out Small World Two is just what they named. The digital version of Small World. It's the exact same game. It's just Small World, but they ported it to the App Store and decided to call it Small World 2, which, as you know, every other board game that's ever been put into a digital version just retains the original Why? name. So There's got to be a oh, reason. Oh, wow. Small World 2. I'll try that I, out. I didn't even know they made a Super I Small I bought it. World. I opened it. <laughs> Turns out it's just Small World. Wait, do you already have Small World? I don't have it, but I've played it enough that I probably wouldn't have bought it. <laughs> and that's just me saying that Small World is fine. Uh-huh. But as far as area control games go, it's not on the top of my list. You know, speaking of being bamboozled, 
I once tried to buy Small World off of Amazon, huh. and uh, it was one of these tr- uh, greasy third-party sellers, and I didn't notice till later that uh, they just took my 20 bucks and ran. They didn't give you the game? No. Wow. It's my fault. I fell for it. I've never been ripped off like that before, but I, I realized when I was looking through, and it's... They have a rating that was... It was zero rating. Yeah. All these items magically on the store that were of weird prices. And a good price. Yeah. So yeah. it's my it's my fault um, for not doing my due diligence, but I, too, have been Small World bamboozled. <laughs> wow. <laughs> See, Small World is one of those games... I've never played it. You've never actually played it. Well, it's one of I've those never heard a good thing about it. You have unique races. Yeah. And you basically, you you kind of, you spend all your units and then you go into decline and then a new race comes in. It's a really cool concept. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think it's one of those, it's kind of like the Dominion, except Dominion's actually good, (laughs) of a genre. I think that Small World kind of, obviously it wasn't the first area control game, but it popularized... Um, like accessible area control. Well, it's probably the the area control equivalent of Catan or yeah. um, Ticket to Ride in the sense that you go to any store that sells a board game, odds are yep. Small World will be sitting somewhere around there. <clears throat> That's not to say it's good, but like it's weird how there's a certain games and you're starting to see more weirder ones starting to edge them their way in. And I think when I started to see code names become ubiquitous, I was like, okay, that's good for them, good for them. But now it's like you're never going to see another Vladimir or, or um, oh, Vlada game because yep. he's just raking in the cash on the, uh, the <laughs> code names cash, which stinks. But yeah. Um, but anyway, I give don't give Small World a chance. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> play it, play it once. You yeah. know, if you don't have to. buy I don't it. even know anyone who owns it. But I'm not going to give it the the Android Dungeon seal of approval. Seal of, okay, that's fine. <laughs> I'll, <laughs> I'll wait till somebody else who owns it tricks me into playing. I had it a friend in Korea. It was the only game she wanted to play. What? <laughs> what? Did you know a lot of games? Or was it applicable? <laughs> well, were she really good she at it? She was Scottish. <laughs> <laughs> Say no more. All right. Let's take a musical break. When we come back, we'll talk about um, movies, movies and Essen. Stay tuned.
All right, welcome back to Android Dungeon, CFRU 93.3 FM. What you just heard was uh, Dream of Jacob by the Polish National Radio Sympathy, Sympathy <laughs> and then a Symphony <laughs> Orchestra by Krzysztof Pendorecki. Uh, the Threnody to the Victims of Hiroshima, 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 weird, uh, etc. <laughs> I don't know why the etc. is in there, but that seems kind of like... Uh, um, uh, I don't know, blasé. Somebody else got in and they didn't have room for them. Yeah, it's like uh, <laughs> some other guys. <laughs> Hir- Hiroshima. They weren't alone. Hiro- so that's why I'm mispronouncing it. It's Hiroshima. This one's Hiroshima. Maybe it's a translation issue. Anyway, you, most people know from The Shining. <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> the Shining. The Shining. Um, Speaking of Kubrick, I uh, listened to your interview today with the guy, Peter. Pete. And it was really interesting, and I heard you guys almost talk about Vanilla Sky. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Did you know that Kubrick hated uh, Tom Cruise so much that he quit making movies because of it? Well, that's uh, that's the rumor anyway. Vanilla Sky, or are you talking about um, Eyes Wide Shut? Eyes Wide Oh, I've gone off. <laughs> Whoa, Wait, my mind. Or did he just really hate Vanilla Sky a lot? <laughs> yeah, he watched Vanilla Sky and he's like, well, movies are dead. <laughs> I really like Eyes Wide Shut. It's, I think it's um, it's difficult to watch because it's basically pornog- pornographic uh, in a lot of scenes, but I still think it's quite beautiful. It's it's like... Well, that's the best part. <laughs> the, the pornographic parts? It's definitely like, you can't take your eyes off it for a variety of reasons, but it's just... It's definitely this movie that captures the kind of the waking dream or just this kind of like moving from these strange situations to strange situations and not quite getting a grasp on what are you in control? What's there's obviously forces outside of this that are affecting. Yeah. And it's kind of those those transitions where you're in one place and then you're in another and you don't know how you got there. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Because there's like, there's filler scenes in movies that, um, that aren't there in dreams. <laughs> True. <laughs> this, uh, spe- well, maybe I'm jumping ahead, but uh, there. You know the crop trust. Crop trust up in the Arctic. There's like a, a whole bunch of seeds and like a frozen. Okay. Yeah, yeah. There's a Catan for it now. Is that new? Just released it us, and yeah. You know, this, this kind of ties into a news event that's kind of been making the uh, rounds lately where I think uh, scientists in the Arctic, one stabbed another one to death because the other one kept, I think, spoiling the ends of the books. <laughs> spoiling or something. the end of books. Yeah, <laughs> Russian. It's hilarious. I mean, it's, for us. Oh, no, it's funny. <laughs> no way. You, there's Every way you look at it is perfect. But um, <laughs> What movie? Um, I think we were going to talk about Halloween, spooky movies. Oh, you saw Halloween, didn't you? Yeah, so we'll we'll jump into the movie stuff then. That uh, I, I was fortunate enough to... I, I haven't done this in a while, but I saw a movie by myself last night. And it occurred fun, to me... isn't it? Yeah, it occurred to me afterward that I'm like, it really wasn't that much different than seeing a movie with other people because it's not like you're you're sitting at home and you're maybe chatting a little bit or like saying, oh, do you remember that part? So just like, no, you're sitting in silence in the theater. And it was nice that the theater wasn't too packed, even though... Um, it feels nice to experience a movie in a packed theater because you get kind of these reactions from people. But the uh, in general, is just a very pleasant experience. And as far as the movie went, I, I liked it. I thought it was an entertaining movie that uh, did everything I expected it to. And uh, aside from some weird humor in parts that um, I, I laughed at and I thought was funny, but at the same time, I could recognize, I don't know if this belongs here necessarily because there's this, this bizarre scene involving cops. We're basically on the lookout for um, the the main uh, Jimmy Lee Curtis's daughter, who's being menaced by Michael Myers, and they're bringing her to this instead of to the police station. Now that I think about it, too, <laughs> they're bringing it to her her weird fortress in the woods. What? And uh, they they're waiting, and they're having a conversation about banh mi sandwiches and putting peanut butter and jelly on a banh mi sandwich instead, and um, then spooky things happen. But it's almost like the movie. It, it's there's stuff going on. There's a cut to the scene with the cops, and then there's a cut to stuff going on. It's like it only exists to kind of introduce these police officers as being around, and then and for some a couple of chuckles. But it's like you got all these scares and this tension kind of going, and then it's like, well, the thing about you is that you don't like Vietnamese food. 
let's go back to Michael Myers killing people. <laughs> and it was funny. It's, it was funny. That's but weird. Anyway, but uh, there was the violence was off the charts. When I was driving home, I was doing some math about how many people he killed throughout the movie, and I think I got to about. Uh, uh, I'm not sure if it was 18 or something around there, but some really, really violent stuff. Too. Does he end up like killing a room of people or something? Just to like, no, you he know, just, <laughs> oh, you mean just like, or were there 18 <laughs> people alone at once? Well, you know, he kills uh, a bunch of people, cops on a bus, kills a father and son who show up, uh, or kills uh, some random people just in their houses, uh, smashes some heads in, breaks some necks. It just, the violence was. It, w- it was nice. It was pretty nice. good. They didn't shy. It's 18 plus. So, you know, you're not getting ripped off with like this 14A it's movie. PG where it's Venom. PG. Jeez. Oh, I haven't seen it. Don't know. But uh, it, how can you have Venom that's not tearing people to pieces? It's crazy. Anyway, Halloween, it's good. If you like Halloween movies, uh, like the series, you'll be happy because the Rob Zombie stuff was kind of dreary and basically like almost shot for shot remakes of the first ones which makes you wonder why am I not just watching the first one hmm. and the soundtrack was good I, th- I like the new arrangements of the theme and the theme is just so iconic that you just hear and you go yeah there's, there's gonna be some murder this is kind of <laughs> spooky it's it's good how's, how's Jamie holding up I think she was doing she did fine she played a crazy old bat pretty well <laughs> um and I I think it, it this is kind of like damning with faint praise but I think it's the best Halloween movie we could get in the year of our Lord, Considering 2018. The time, yeah. yeah. Without like people doing some weird sort of abstract sequel. That's it's, it's not Halloween, but it's what Halloween. A, what about a reboot? Um, I'm, I'm worried that's next. <laughs> yeah, it could be, <laughs> but, but or there's a great reboot. What if it's Mad Max? Oh, it would seem, that'd be all right. Cause Mad Max is a great movie. <laughs> yeah. So if I could get a great movie out of that, but Mad Max is like the perfect reboot in the sense because it's almost James Bond-esque in the mm. sense of you could argue all these Mad Max movies are kind of like stories set in like... You just need to check the boxes. Yeah, check the boxes. You have the desert. You have the, the desert. Cars. You have cars. You have great action sequences. But none of these movies are necessarily linked to each other. No. Like Thunderdome is its own thing. Road Warrior is its own thing. Uh, original Mad Max own thing. And then Fury Road is its own thing. Like it's not like, hey, remember in Mad Max 1, this yeah. guy's here, even though there's some... revenge on you. Exactly. Like there's there's throwbacks to them. Yeah. Um, but it's never anything like so explicit. In fact, there's there's characters from the other movies that show up but they are the actors yeah. show up, but people don't acknowledge them, so they're clearly separate. Thank God that they didn't try to be like, I am the nephew of the oh, previous man. Mad Max. I am Maxito. Maxito. I'm Mad Max, and there was never any other Mad Max. Well, yeah, it's, it's just like James Perfect. Bond, where it's like they're never acknowledging, even though in Her Majesty's Secret Service, it begins with. Uh, George Lazenby kind of saying something like, uh, the previous guy never had to deal with this, which was like, I think the closest the series ever has gone. Yeah, it's just a quip. And yeah. but the rest of it's just like, these are standalone. They don't ever, they never acknowledge it. Bond's been doing this for this whole time. So build your own mythos, do your own thing. And sign of Spectre. But anyway, Halloween, good. Joel, what have you seen recently? Well, I saw eighth grade and I saw probably one of the, front runners for the one of my favorite seasons which we can't talk about the oscars <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. nobody yeah <laughs> which is uh a star is born four was is it the fourth one it is the fourth a star is born i thought it was the third yeah me too and then there's actually one in the 30s that's so. what i thought was the original so the 30s and then you had the 70s or 60s one there's and a then 50s one too so they've 56. remade this movies that Wow. Yeah. And it's always the same story. Yeah. Although typically the old washed up uh, actor or musician begins to resent the new mm-hmm. up and coming. Well, and heads up, folks. There's going to be some spoilers here. Conflict. I mean, spoilers from 70, yeah. 90 years ago. But, uh, and I was yeah. impressed that they didn't go that route because at one point uh, when they're in the hotel room after she's just had her meeting with the, the slimy British agent, and uh, Cooper's gone off the end, the deep end, real hard with his drinking. Yep. And um, he's being a total dick to her in the room. And I was thinking, oh, is this this predictable beat we're gonna get in the movie now, where it's like he's angry at the first taste of success, and there's that weird cake scene where they're smearing <laughs> cake to each other, and yeah. it's like, oh, they, oh, she doesn't mind. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. It was kind of like they kind of touched on all those things that you knew were coming. Yeah. Like, you know, her success and his jealousy and yeah. this and that and. 
and they just kind of uh, meh. Yeah, it's like it, he seemed genuinely supportive. So. Just a touch. <laughs> yeah. And how good of a drunk did he play? Oh, perfect. And that's the thing is like Bradley Cooper is almost always Bradley Cooper in any movie I've yeah. seen. And this one, I, I kind of like get the sense of him stepping out of himself. Like he had such a big beard and he was mumbling so well <clears throat> and just playing that part of this drunk country singer so well that his voice was different. Like and big, I just, yeah, yeah. I, I kind of, kind of. Actually, even though he's so famous, forgot he was him a couple times. Yeah, and it occurred to me after when I was watching it, too, that when you listen, because him and Sam Elliott are supposed to be brothers. Like, there's some absurd age gap. gap. But when you listen to him, he's doing a Sam Elliott impression. (laughs) He is a bit, isn't he? He's doing it a bit. Like, he sounds almost exactly like him. And I think it was Sam Elliott, too. Pardon me? How good was Sam Elliott, too? He was great. tiny role, but... He did exactly what he was supposed to. And, like, Sam Elliott kind of plays Sam Elliott with different degrees. Like, is he angry? Is he sarcastic? Is he talking to the dude? Is he talking to the dude? Does he (laughs) exist? I don't know. But in this one, he's perfectly fine. And Bradley Cooper is playing his younger brother, but I found, like, their interactions, they seemed like they... they, All the acting was just top-notch. I was really impressed. There's no one I was looking at just going, this stinks. Yeah, where did you come from? Like, almost the the, uh, studio exec, but even then, he was so out of the movie that yeah. you didn't really care yeah yeah and it's like even though i was disappointed i, was, I just kept waiting for him to get hit by a car or something just yeah like, yeah <laughs> you know in in an in a lesser movie i'll say this in a lesser movie there would have been a scene where he got his What's coming to him yeah you know but this one he just gets this, rich <laughs> yeah instead it was just this very small targeted story yeah about the two of them yeah and everybody else was kind of like their screen time was so small yeah it, which was fine. I was just really impressed. I, I expected so little of it walking in that yeah. I was just thinking this is going to be, it's going to be boring. It's going to be just like, and I hate country music. And it turned yeah. out it wasn't actually. I thought it was going to be pop country. Rock, it was. Yeah. It was like yeah. It was like alternative country or His just guitar like, was great. Yeah, you. I, Kayla wanted to know if he was actually playing guitar. I thought what he was doing was simple enough that he probably could have been doing it. But I don't know if he played, but I know that it was his voice. Yeah. It was all put together by some famous country singer that I have no idea who oh, it is. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And we we didn't even mention Lady Gaga, who I think was, she was perfectly fine. She was, yeah. She's... Uh, Couldn't take my eyes off she, her when she was on screen. There's something about her. Uh, yeah, captivating. She she won an Emmy for being the psychopath in American Horror Story Hotel. I haven't seen that season. And it was, <clears throat> she was incredibly terrifying. Was she? And yeah, yeah I mean, it's... It's entertaining and like the movie itself was good. And Sam pointed out that the movie, like the plot, the story, nothing special really. It was just performed well. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's what, and I think some of it is like, and this is one of the things that I really hated about the other stars, Borns, is that it did full songs and it just focused on the individuals for the entire song. Mm-hmm. And usually it's like, uh, when is this going to end? Yeah. This does nothing to do with the plot. It's just gratuitous. Yeah, yeah. And this one, it was, I was just, in, I just took a step back from the fact that I was watching a movie and I just sat there and just enjoyed the song because it was, <laughs> they were good songs. Yeah, the songs were listenable, <laughs> which is the, like, I'm not saying I'm, necess- I'm running home downloading the soundtrack. <laughs> like, oh no. boy. But it, it's not like you're sitting there and like really going, Oh man, this stinks! How much longer do, do they're going to do the whole song? <laughs> and just and, they, and you're right. They, they they I think they just understood the tolerance an audience would have, and it's like we're not going to be overly indulgent or gratuitous. That was a good good word for it. Like yep. you're saying when you're the Barbara Streisand one, where it felt like this this is a Barbara Streisand picture, yeah. and here's Barbara Streisand. Produced Zoom by, in on Barbara Streisand. By, Let's listen to Barbara Streisand, <laughs> yeah. and like it. And I think I didn't. Isn't that a famous scene in the the Streisand one where just like the end that they kind of paid homage to with like kind of zoom in on her face at the in the very last scene? Yep. So I was trying At least to. They didn't do the freeze frame again. The freeze. <laughs> <laughs> Halloween ended with a freeze frame, but it works because it was a nice throwback. Ooh, but, uh, nice. Yeah. So you endorse Starsborn. Hardly. So yeah. it, you can make a neat double feature of your evening. His and hers, in my opinion, of the uh, yeah. go see Michael Myers smashing people's faces in like they're made of rotten t- pumpkins. And then you can go watch country stars. <laughs> <all move. laughs> is that nice? And, it, it, and you also want them to succeed. It's like absolutely. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's nobody you don't like. And it's, it's almost like, did you ever watch chef? No, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah. 
It's just like a happy story that just goes, it's a ramp all the way up and there's no enemy and there's no downside. And that's, you know, some people would say that's bad writing or a poor film, but not everything needs, I think the issue is that unless you're really talented at your writing, with your writing, it's difficult to avoid the the predictable beats when you're writing like sort of these, like there's got to be a villain or these sad parts, but... At this point, when I'm watching these movies, I'm just dreading those moments coming. So yeah. when, when, as opposed to these, like general, generally speaking, positive films that you're talking about, none of them have popped in my mind. But something like something like Zemeckis or even Spielberg, like the the lows aren't necessarily low lows. They're more just like, oh, there's a brief stumble, because yeah. you need to have some sort of struggle. But then it's just like, oh, this is fun. You know, where everyone's having yeah. a ball here. Whereas, like you're saying, like sometimes people are getting built up, and you're just, just oh, it's, yeah, like, yeah. it's coming. They're Something's terrible crushed. happening. It's gonna be bo- like when I see a dog in a horror film or something. It's like, you poor thing, oh. <laughs> you're not gonna make it. I'll, I'll try to avoid a spoiler here, but how sad was that the dog? Oh, the, the dog the man, <laughs> I thought the dog was inside too. I was a little confused how he got back out, but, <laughs> but yeah, that was that was brutally. Sad. As soon as he's serving the steak, to him, I'm like, yeah, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right, so enough sad stuff. We're going to go on to totally sad stuff now. Uh, Essen, 2018. Joel, what's Essen again? Uh, it is a city, Germany. Wrong. I don't have a correction. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, Joel's See, 100% I keep, right. I keep typing in Essen news to try to get the latest updates, and it just gives me the news <laughs> from Man Essen. By call, <laughs> like, <yeah>. okay, <laughs> damn it. Well, that's, I that's guess not everybody cares about the Essen spiel. We all know what the big deal in <laughs> Essen is, although I guess it's a gigantic city. I, mean, yeah. uh, I guess there's other things there. Essen 2018 is finished now. Uh, the biggest European or just board gaming festival in the world, although Gen Con I think might be the biggest just because uh, North America. But anyway, um, this is where people go to release their their big Euros or their big new games. And uh, what I've done is I've compiled a bit of a list here of stuff that it seems like consensus speaks or these are the hottest games coming out of Essen. So you might be hearing a lot about them as time goes on. Nice. Um, and interestingly, when I, when I was looking through some of these, these lists, I was seeing some stuff there that was like, I'm pretty sure, like, these didn't debut at Essen necessarily, but I think they're getting, maybe it's like a movie that comes out in some smaller screenings mm. first, but then it like officially premieres it's at a, a film classic. festival. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> um, so in no particular order, we're going to start with a couple of these games here and uh, we'll see if Joel has um, been up to, keeping up to date with oh uh, the Essen information. So Architects of the West Kingdom from... Uh, Garful Games, Corful Games. I, I'm trying to read my writing. Gorful Games, I think. Uh, Sheena Phillips, S.J. McDonald, same designer as Raiders of the North Sea. Raiders of the North Sea, which is way more famous than this one because this one's just coming out anyway. This one, Architects of the West Kingdom. If you look at the box, you'd say, "Is this an expansion for Raiders of the North Sea?" It's got the same sort of three glowering figures staring at you with this unique art style. Mm. Except this one is all about building, medieval building of stuff for the king, um, which already gets my attention. It's like building. Yes, go go building on instead of raiding. Yeah, mm. and I guess it's got some of that take that stuff in the sense of like you're fighting to get the king's uh, uh, the king's eye, and you might uh, push over some stuff maybe to yeah. make sure that the opponents mm, doesn't look as nice. Not structurally sound. Not structurally sound. Send like <laughs> unfairing sending somebody out to um, yeah. shut it down. So some anyway, vandals. Architects of the West Kingdom. Next one up, Underwater Cities by Delicious Games. Uh, Vladimir Suchi. Have you heard of this guy, Joel? Vlad, no. I've heard of Vlada. Vlada. Uh, funny you mention Vlada because they both have worked, I think they're both Czech. Uh, they both have done some stuff for Czech Games editions. Um, Suchi is famous for Last Will and Prodigal's Club, which are games I haven't played yet, but I've heard fun things about. But their whole premise is the fact it's kind of like Brewster's Millions where your whole goal is to spend as much money as oh, you can. Oh, it's like a reverse. Yeah, you want to you want to be the person who spent all your crazy things, and you, you're trying to do it in the most in- efficient possible in way possible, <laughs> which is a neat gimmick because it's like you turns get to, it on its head. Yeah, it does literally. So, uh, underwater cities takes place obviously underwater, where you're building cities, and it's kind of this um, construction game of sorts where lots of card play. Um, Again, received some very positive buzz. Looking forward to seeing a bit more about it, but it looks interesting. Uh, you heard about cities. it here first. Well, yeah, 100% here after first. After everywhere else. Uh, Spirit Island. Oh, yeah, that was out in... Uh, this has been out for a bit, though. 
Harry talked about that a little bit. Yeah, Spirit Island has been out for a while. I don't know why Essen necessarily had a focus on this, but in case people aren't aware, this is from Greater Than Games by designer Air Arik Roos. And, um, or Rice, I'm trying to read my writing again. That is a cooperative game where you play these spirits of an island. Can you believe it? And you're trying to repel invaders who represent colonial powers like the French or the English or the Portuguese rolling up on your shores. And you have magical powers and you're trying to destroy them, push them away. And you've got your own uh, indigenous people that you're trying to protect from the invaders. And it's apparently one of the hottest cooperative games out there. The They've got a Kickstarter going on right now for a reprint of the original and yeah. a bunch of expansions. It's basically reverse settlers. It's reverse settlers. Anti-settlers. Anti-settlers. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's kind of cool. It's an interesting idea. Apparently, it's a brutal co-op. It is very, very difficult. Oh, yeah. If, with almost like knife's edge sort of uh, hmm. um, room to breathe if you are playing on some of the tougher difficulties. I didn't get a chance to play <clears throat> Forbidden Sky either. I guess uh, we gave that this weekend on the wedding, but uh, it was just everyone was just too tired after. I know it's kind of like it's there the next day, and you're like, "Ah, oh, well, should we play again ne- next uh, time? Next time, yeah." How many times you've been there, and it's kind of like you, you really like. Did you want to play it even? I was curious. I might have gotten it out and like linked up some of the things. Yeah, just see the, the lights go. Lights go, but yeah, yeah. Uh, Spirit Island. This one here is probably going to be the one you're hearing a lot about in the hobbyist uh, areas here. Uh, that and the, I guess the rest of these on the list. Blackout Hong Kong. Yep, that was one of the top news stories here. Uh, from Spiel by Alexander Fifster, famous for Mombasa, Great Western Trail. And um, if you look through his, the stuff he's done, he's actually very accomplished in these other uh, smaller stuff there too. But those are his big ones. Blackout Hong Kong is another... Uh, I guess you could argue it's an area control type game, yeah. but it's set in this uh, set in, believe it or not, Hong Kong, and suddenly Ooh. all the power is gone, and you are running around trying to keep order and keep people safe, and I, that's all I can really know. I didn't jump into it, but the buzz has been extremely positive so far. It's kind of a cool um, region because mm-hmm. you've got your Lantau off to the west and your. Hong Kong Island in the middle, and then you've got obviously the mainland like uh, Kowloon, and then they call it the Old Territories. Did you live in Hong Kong? Yeah, a couple months. Yeah. Lived in the Old Territories, right on the border with Canton <laughs> province. <laughs> Is that where all the people would be like, constantly uh, importing goods to and from? or Were you there? Were you listening? I was never when, in Hong uh, Kong. No, no. Were you listening when uh, Stefan started talking about how um, Cantonese is a really uh, crude language compared to Mandarin. Yeah, I was, and to be honest, I don't. I, I think I've heard something similar to that, <laughs> but it, people would have got pretty. It's you know what I've heard hilarious slap fights between uh, mainlanders and HKers. It's I think it's yeah. one of the funniest things ever too. Yeah, I feel like it was like communist propaganda would say that. You know, it's like yeah. well, we're gonna civilize these Cantonese with uh, with their national language. Now, is Cantonese known as the is the food spicier? Um, well, they'll say it's spicier. Yeah, or is this another case of like... Yeah, every <laughs> province says they're the spiciest. Yeah. It's like, you know, Sichuan. you go to Hunan and they're like, oh, Sichuan is the joke. Sichuan, they say the same thing about uh, Hunan. And it's I love, like, whatever. It's like the rivalry... <laughs> going to the Simpsons rivalry between uh, Shelbyville and Springfield. Yeah. Eat our shorts. Eat our shorts. <laughs> yes, eat all our shorts. Anyway, Blackout Hong Kong. Expect to be hearing a lot about it. Um, I'm going to... Try to go through, run out of time here. Endeavor, apparently it premiered at Essen, even though I've got my copy, because I'm a Kickstarter, Kickstarter scammer. Woo! Burnt Island been, Games. You've been on a roll, man. Carl De Visser, Janet Gray, great game. We talked about it last week, I think, or the week before. Very, very good. Give it a shot. Moving on up, Coimbra, another Spiel game mm-hmm. uh, by Flanina Brosini, Virginio Gigli. <laughs> These are the guys who did Lorenzo El Magnifico, and Grand Austria Hotel. I haven't played either of those. Um, I'm interested in both, but I've just not had the opportunity to play them. Coimbra, I know very little about, except it's getting very positive buzz. Yep. And I think 
Board Game List had a couple of copies floating around for a little bit, or some of these places, but they're just gone. It's almost like these, they're semi-demo uh, copies or whatever. I don't know why some things trickle out to stores before they get, like, the massive shipment of them. I'm confused yeah. how that works, but Coimbra, keep an eye, keep an ear out for this because you're going to be hearing about it. Next one, again, I, I think between this and uh, Blackout Hong Kong, they will be the big ones you're hearing about. This is, I, I'm going to screw it up, Teotihuacan. City of Gods from mm. NKS and Games, Danielle Tassini, uh, Tassini and David Tars- Tarsi, the same guys who did Marco Polo and Zolkin. Okay, yeah, sounded <laughs> Zolkin-esque. <laughs> yeah, and it's part of the trilogy of games that I think uh, Zolkin, um, uh, what was the first, T-Cal, it's either T-Cal or Mexica, and... Uh, and this is the third one, I think, that's going to be in there. But it's the follow-up to Zolkin. takes place later or earlier in the the time frame of it. But it's looking great. The buzz has been incredible. And uh, nice. I think Rado from Rado Runs Through It said that, uh, which what I like about him is that he plays a lot of games two players almost exclusively. So if he says he really likes how it plays, it means, oh, good. That means that Rado played yeah. it with his wife. You can so. do it with your girlfriend, yeah. Yeah, yeah, which is nice to me. Like a lot of games have this just half-baked two-player that's just, yeah. oh, we're just playing dummy players. I could have done that on my own and played a <laughs> one-player game, couldn't I? But yeah. anyway, uh, again, I'm not going to go into what the mechanics are, but it's a very attractive game just sitting on the table itself. And I think you're going to be seeing and hearing a lot about it. Um, I hope you save the best for last. Uh, maybe not. <laughs> I'll save the one that I'm probably going to see. Uh, this I was telling Joel about this. Um, the last game on the list is um, by An- Andreas Stelding, uh, Stedding, uh, the designer of Hansa Teutonica, and uh, the game uh, from Game Brewers, and the game is Gugon. Or maybe I'm mispronouncing that with, with my ugly uh, Mandarin tongue. Or That's what we use to wipe off the <laughs> st- <laughs> sticky stuff from devices. <laughs> we actually have a goo gun. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. <laughs> oh, that's embarrassing. I was working with goo gun uh, over Thanksgiving. It didn't oh, work. there you go. Uh, so I'm going to try to... No, screw it. Goo gun <laughs> is... Uh, is an, a game set in uh, China, uh, I think it's uh, Han Dynasty type stuff, and it's got this neat mechanic where you're going around and you're trying to accomplish things by giving gifts to government officials. <laughs> um, not bribes. They're not bribes, folks. But the cool thing is that your gift always has to be better than the pre- previous gift that was given, and you're moving around trying to get better gifts to get what you're trying to do. Um, uh, this was a game that was out on... Uh, I kickstarted because uh, I'm a fool, Years or not years ago, uh, a few months ago, and it should be showing up shortly. So you're getting it. I'm getting it. So I'll be able nice. to report back on this one. And I, th- everything on here, I want to hear reports on whether it's uh, death threats uh, mixed in <laughs> with the the Hit underwater us up cities. On Twitter. Hit us up on Twitter, uh, Instagram, and uh, there is no, there is no Facebook page, but you can check us on the Guelph Board Gamers group. Looks like My Little Scythe made an appearance there, too. Yeah, I'm seeing uh, Jamie Sigmeyer was reposting some tweets of people playing with um, playing My Little Scythe. And I was just looking at the board. The board looks so bland compared yeah. to the other stuff. But, uh, Istanbul Dice. That's been out for a while. Cool. And also, uh, before we... Uh, well, what's, what was the big one uh, we at Essen? to talk about? Uh, the one that was a game and then a video game, and I sent you the link. Well, with the, that one is uh, Europa Universalis, yeah. which is, it sounds like, so Joel mentioned, sent me a link about this game that looks really cool, and it's based on, you know, in that, <laughs> in, in Tropic Thunder and Robert Down Jr.'s like, I'm the dude playing the dude who's being the dude. I don't another know. Dude. Some, another dude, yeah. So yeah. it's like, the, they've gone, they've kind of pulled this page out of Civilization where you're taking a board game, turning it into a game, they're making a board game of the video game <laughs> that's based on the game. And you've but got they made a lot of video games. Yeah, so Paradox is known for their um, historical simulations, let's just call them that, because they're games that are these 4Xs, but you control everything, and it's so in-depth and it, to the point that it's like insurmountable to the average person, I think. Yep. Uh, but Europa Universalis, I think this was kickstarted a while ago, and it's, I guess, the Paradox had a booth at yep. Essen, which is remarkable. 
Just because it's been a while, or no? Just like they make video games, but right. Okay. Like how long before you start seeing an EA booth at these places? Because they're starting to make board Blizzard. games. Blizzard or Blizzard, yeah, right. So I BlizzCon's wouldn't. BlizzCon's coming up, and then BlizzCon's coming up. I don't. Do you don't know, care. Do you know anyone who's going to BlizzCon? No, I just know that you know there's some new Hearthstone cards coming out. Oh boy, is that? Do you know if Alex is going to BlizzCon? That's a good question. Is that it's live on location? In his yeah, <laughs> live on location. <laughs> yeah, just like last time. So anyway, there's a there's a whole bunch of essence stuff that's you be prepared to see. Some of it you can already get sort of. Yeah. Um, Joel, is there anything from Essen aside from Europa and uh, maybe some of the stuff on the list that you had your eye on? Well, there were a lot of repeats from Gen Con, I think, that we've kind of hashed out. But I think Europa is the big one that I want to check out. And I think oh, really? I, Harry had a lot to say about it. Oh, but, really? Uh, hopefully he can come on and uh, give us more information. So does he know a lot about the board game? or He's th- played all of the games. The board games or computer the, games? The, the computer games. Huh. See, I'm always curious about that because cause Mark loves Crusader Kings and those yeah, games. and he's played the crap out of Crusader Kings. And I'd be curious what he'd think of the board game version, whether it's something mm. like you just grok immediately or if it's like just because you like Civilization, the video games does not mean you'll like any of the board game iterations. Yeah. So it's, it's one of these things that's difficult to translate. But At least the theme is there. Although Mark said that he liked the theme of TI4 better because he's kind of... He's a space The space stuff, dude. yeah. I don't Which, know. But, I guess so, but the theme of TI is it's just like it's... If two games were exactly the same, I know we got a few seconds left, but if two games were exactly the same, would you go with a space theme or a, or a classic theme? That's a tough choice. You know, I, I think I've just been burned on both so much that it's <laughs> like... I'd probably go classic. Yeah, me too. Would you do the same, yeah? And I like Twilight and Pyrrhon. We both like Twilight and Pyrrhon, but I think yeah. maybe we just, like, the last time, just really took a lot out of us. Anyway, I'm Jack. Fleets are weird. Joel. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned to CFRU. Have a good day. <laughs>